Welcome to Passion Life Church. We are continuing this amazing series that we have entitled, I Can Do Hard Things. And you know, I think it's amazing. This week I was texting with some people, um, and uh, Ken and Megan are here today. They're going to be leaving and moving to, to Florida, and uh, they've been a part of our church, and uh, we're just going to be hanging out. And, and they were, we were texting, and I was like, hey, so when, when can we get together? And they said, we're in the midst of moving right now. And, uh, but Ken said, and he texted me, he goes, but you know what? I can do hard things. Come on, somebody. And so we can get together and uh, we thank them for being a part of our church. And they're moving out to, to Florida. And so we can do hard things. And really the series, what it's about, it comes from the inspiration of, of Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I, I know we know this scripture. We love the scripture. Uh, sometimes we even have uh, this scripture on our, on our, <laughs> on our, our refrigerator, right? But the truth is, is that we can do all things because Jesus did, right? We can do because he did. Can I hear a good amen today? Right. And, uh, Come on, let me just say this. If Jesus, right, overcame death, hell, and the grave, and Jesus is in you, then you can overcome death, hell, and the grave as well. Amen? And I love that it says I can do all things because all really means all. It means not just the easy things, but the, the must-do things, the, the must-do things that we have to do, like, you know, those hard decisions that you have to make, or, you know, the, have you ever had to have a hard conversation with somebody? It's like, oh, I don't want to talk with them. I don't want to have this conversation, but you have to. You know, sometimes you have to discipline your kids. Man, that, that's, that, that's tough. It, it's, it, it's, it's hard. Or sometimes you have to deal with a difficult employee. It, it's, a hard, it's a hard thing. But let me, let me just tell you this. We as believers don't have to collapse under the must-dos and the hard things. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I want us all to say this. I want you to repeat after me. Come on, say, I can. Come on, say it loud. I can. I can. Do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, one more time. So everybody's saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But let me tell you the truth about hard things, right? Hard times are a revealer in our lives. I mean, hard times reveal a lot for us. If if we will be honest, right? Hard times, they'll reveal your fears, Hard times will reveal whether you have courage or not. It'll reveal whether you have strength. Hard times, hard decisions reveal your character. Come on, somebody, right? And I'll be honest with you. Hard times reveal what you believe. It reveals what you believe about God. It reveals what you believe about yourself, about what you can do. But thank God we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And really, honestly, when you look at this series, what we're doing is we're trying to help you when you have those times in your life when you don't know what to do, right, or how to do it, if you can do it. You're like, I I don't know what to do. Well, I'm going to show you what to do if you don't know what to do or when you don't think you can do. And we've been looking at the New Testament church and it is, man, they were in hard times. There was famine, persecution, right? Their leaders were thrown in prison. And how did they make it through? Remember in week one, we said, you can praise. Can I hear a good amen? You can praise, right? And 
to be honest with you, not just the kind of praise that, okay, hey, you know what? Uh, God answered my prayer, praise. Anybody can praise during that time. But I'm talking about a praise when you don't know what's going on, when there's a lot of uncertainty. Can you praise then? Can you magnify God? Because how many of you know what you magnify in your heart multiplies in your life? I want to say that again. What you magnify in your heart multiplies in your life. And we can praise. We can praise. And we talked about last week, we can pray. We can pray. It was the prayers of the church that loosened and broke Peter free from the prison that he was in. And so today, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about in hard times. Here's another thing we can do. In hard times, you know what we can do? We can be devoted. We can be devoted. You know, if you look at the book of Acts, as you're turning to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, Acts was written by Luke. He was a Gentile. He was actually a doctor. He was converted, and he followed, he followed Jesus. And actually, he was an eyewitness to the risen Savior. Anybody else an eyewitness to the risen Savior, what he's done in your life? How many of you know we serve a, a risen Savior? But it's interesting. When you read the book of, Acts, he, book of Acts, he writes like a doctor would speak, right? And Luke is telling us about this early church. Now, let me just give you a brief little breakdown of what happened. In Acts chapter 2, Pentecost has come. Man, the Holy Spirit was poured out. The disciples were up in, the, in a room, and then fire was pouring over them, the Bible says. And they came out. Peter gets up. This guy who God had called, who made mistakes, who had denied Jesus, he gets up, and he gives one message. 3,000 people come, and they come, and, uh, and they get saved. How many of you know that's a good day? The Bible says that they were added to the church. And then we pick it up in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I hope that you found it. It says... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were saved. This is so inspiring to me because the early church were under the oppression of the Roman Empire. And they were under the oppression, the oppression of the Roman Empire. And the Bible says in, in verse 43 that they were seeing signs and wonders and miracles even under the oppression of the Roman Empire. Can I just encourage you today? You know, when we go through hard times, don't underestimate God's ability to just surprise you in, in a moment like that. For him to uh, just surprise you in hard times. The Bible talks about even when Peter was being freed from prison because the church was praying, the Bible says they were all all in all, right in the middle of hard times, right in the middle. The Bible talks about they were even in a famine at times, but yet they were praising God and they were praying. And Luke is telling us that he's observing something about this early church. What is it that he's observing? And I love this because he's observing their devotion. He talks about, man, this church is devoted Let me tell you what devoted means in the Greek. Devoted means this, steadfast, constant, continue all the time to persevere, not faint, to give constant 
attention to. That's what devoted means. How many of you know what has your attention will eventually get your devotion? What has your attention will definitely get your devotion. But the root word of devotion I thought was interesting. It's strength. Everybody say that with me. Say strength. Strength. Now, what Luke does is the first verb that he attributes to the church in the New Testament is devoted. Man, they're devoted. And I'm telling you, my church family today, the church of Jesus Christ, we need a fresh devotion. We need a fresh devotion to his word, to his church, and to his things today. Can I hear a good amen? And here's what I found out about commitment. We need commitment. Nothing flourishes without devotion. Nothing flourishes without commitment. Your dream will never take off or never come to pass if you don't add commitment and devotion to it. To be honest, your marriage will flourish, right? It's so easy nowadays to just say, I'm out. Bye, Felicia, I'm gone. You know, irreconcilable differences, right? Because of lack of commitment. And I understand some of us had to get out of marriages because of abusive situations. I'm not talking about that. But, you know, I'm talking about being devoted. What about being devoted and committed to your health? See, some people die premature deaths because they weren't committed and devoted to their own health. Your family, we've got to be committed to to our families. And I'm not just talking about parents, teenagers. I'm talking about you too being committed to to a a family. You know, Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, it's commitment that transforms a problem or a promise, I'm sorry, into reality. Let me say that again. Abraham Lincoln said this. It's commitment that transforms a problem promise, a, 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 um, a transforms a promise into reality. And here's what I found even about being passionate. I'm a passionate person. Can you tell? I, I love being passionate, but I found that commitment will take you where your passion can't take you, right? I'm passionate, but listen, if I'll marry my commitment to my passion, not only will I shine, but I'll, I'll shine longer. I'll go longer, right? Because commitment is so important in our life. Now, looking at this early church, if we're going to go from where we are to where we need to be, I think it's a good idea to look back and look at the early church, my church family. Listen, if we want New Testament power, we need to return to New Testament practices. Come on, take a picture of that screen. Write that down. Write it in the chat. If we want New Testament power, then we need New Testament practices. Can I hear a good amen today? And so here, let me give you four practices today that Luke observed in the early church. It says number one, here's number one, they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. You know, I find this interesting. The Bible had not been written yet. All they had was the Torah, but the apostles were, 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 were preaching to them and teaching to them under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Right now, I'm going to tell you, the apostles weren't just sharing stories. They weren't just sharing suggestions. They weren't just sharing perspectives. They were sharing from the Holy Spirit. Now, are you ready? I I, I, got to say this because it's the truth. Our church today, we have more than the early church had in their day. They didn't even have the full Bible written. They didn't even have Paul's writings yet. We have the whole counsel of the word of God. They were sitting there and listening to the apostles teaching. And here's my question. If we have more than they have today, why are we doing less? 
Why, when you look at there, they didn't even have the full counsel, the full word of God, and yet signs, wonders, and miracles, and all of these things were happening, and yet we have more than they do. Could it be a lack of devotion? Could it be that's what it was, a lack of devotion, right? Because my church family, we have the apostles' teachings. We have them. And let me just tell you a little insight today. What you do or don't do with this word will determine the quality of your life. What you do or don't do with this word and the word that you have will determine the quality of your life. Because this word never returns void. God's word never returns void. Man, I love Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. It says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper and flourish in everything that I send it to do. One translation says it will produce fruit. And God says this, God says, I don't just say things. My words actually never, ever return void. Can I hear a good amen today? And so our devotion to this word is going to determine whether in the hard times your life stands or it falls. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. He said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, it's not just hearing them, It's doing them. Can I say it this way? Whoever hears his word and is devoted to them. It's devoted. They're devoted to them. Right now, how do we know if a person is devoted to the word of God? By their life. Not by what they say. But your devotion to this word is shown by the way that we live. Every day. Can I hear a good amen today? And he says, therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rain descended and the floods came and the waters blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. And I hear a good amen for that. So the devoted person's house stood in hard times when the other one, the message translation says, just fell like a house of cards. You know, the Bible tells us that rain falls on the just and the unjust. Storms come to every single one of us, whether you're saved or not saved. But here's the difference. What are you building your life on? I'm doing a new, new life group and it'll probably be in the next two weeks. Um, I'm gonna announce the date. I'll let you know. My uh, grandmother just passed away yesterday. And so we've been dealing with, with some things and going to have to be flying out to Pittsburgh for her, um, uh, for her funeral. And so we're encouraging our family praying together. And my grandma was well, a great woman. She, uh, she prayed for me many times. And I am the person I am today because of who she is. And I haven't announced that, that date, but I'm going to be doing a whole life group on builders. Because here's the reality. You are building your life, whether you know it or not. And either you're building it to last or you're not. Either you're building it on what the apostles' teachings has said or you're not. It's kind of like being pregnant. Either you're pregnant or you're not. And so many people don't realize that they're building their life, but will it last? And here's how you know if you built good. When the storm comes, you're still standing. Come on, somebody. You're still standing, right? 
And so we've got to get back to these teachings. We've got to get back and be devoted to the word of God. Come on, somebody. If you have more of the CDC guidelines memorized than you have the word of God, then you need a fresh devotion. Come on, somebody. Right? If the word of Dr. Fauci, right, outweighs the word of God in your life, then we need a fresh devotion. And here's what I love about the word of God. It's not constantly changing. It's actually immovable and it's unchangeable, right? I'm so glad that this book never changes. It'll change your life, but it never changes. It's the word of God who was, who is, and is to come. This is why Paul told Timothy, he said this, he said, preach the word, Timothy, preach the word. You know, I went to Bible college and we had a whole class, uh, homiletics on preaching. And I'll never forget one of my, my teachers said this. He said, I'm going to tell you guys, listen, the only thing in your message that won't return void is the scriptures that you talk about and the scriptures that you recite. He said, you can tell stories and stories are good. I think story, Jesus used story. I think it's so important. Jesus used stories to connect. It's, stories can be a bridge, but you know what? My stories, when you are going through something, aren't gonna help you. It's the word of God. And so that's why Paul said, you know what, Timothy, I want you to preach the word. Second Timothy 4, 2, preach the word. And be prepared in season and out of season. And he's talking to us too. That we've got to be so devoted to these, these teachings and these, and these words in season and out of season. Because how many of you know seasons change? So we've got to be ready. And he says, look, be ready in season and out of season to correct, rebuke, encourage, and gr- with great patience and careful instruction. So Paul's telling Timothy, this is what this word will do for you in your life. It will rebuke you at times. It'll tell you, Hey, you need to change. It will correct you. It will encourage you. You know, James in his writings, he writes that the word of God is kind of like a mirror. It's it's, kind of like a mirror, right? Now, why do we look in the mirror? We look in the mirror to adjust ourselves, right? So we are presentable to the world as we go out. It'll, it'll show you the things you need to adjust. You know, I just turned 50 in April, 50 years old, and uh, things change when your body goes through these changes, right? Like hair starts coming out of places that hair should not come out of. Amen, right? I've got like hair on my nose that's coming out. Hair like just coming. I mean, I I don't know if it's trying to connect together. You know, I got hair coming out of my ears. And then it is the worst of all hairs. It is that stubborn gray hair. Come on, it looks like an SOS pad, right? And the other day I was looking in the mirror and I'm looking and I go, what? And I literally see this hair coming out of my neck, like right here. And it's about like four to five inches long and it's gray. And I'm like, Man, I could hurt somebody with this thing. You know, I just go, mm, and, and just kind of jab them. It, it's sharp. And I'm looking, I'm like, I'm thanking God that I'm looking in the mirror because I'm like, I need to get rid of that. So I was talking to a gentleman here at church and, 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 and he was in his seventies and, and God bless him. But I was talking with him and as I was looking at him, he had this rogue eyebrow. It was just one hair. And I'm telling you, it was probably about six inches long and it was like, as he was talking to me, I kept moving back. And when I kept moving back, he kept moving forward. And so I'm like, dude, you're going to stab me with that hair. But the reality of it is, I just wondered, and I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I asked myself this question, dude, did you look in the mirror this morning? 
because you're going to hurt somebody. You're going to get sued. You could stab somebody with that hair. And here's the reality. When we look into this word, it reveals all of our spiritual pimples. You're too selfish, Phil. I don't want to hear that. I I don't want to hear I'm too selfish. I, I, man, I, I don't want to hear that. Love your enemies. How many of you know when you read this, there's some of these pages you just want to grab and you just want to pull out. You're like, I don't want to do that, right? Love my enemies. Oh, tithe. Oh my goodness. Well, tithing. Oh, not tithe. Oh, it's, it's only in the Old Testament, right? So maybe we'll leave that in. Wait, what? Oh, tithing's not just in the Old Testament? What? It's not just, no, it was before the law. Abraham tithed because he honored God. Okay, just because he wanted, okay. It was during the law. Okay, what? Jesus talked about tithing. Oh, that's the New Testament. And then in Hebrews, it talks about that when we take tithes up here in the church, that Jesus actually receives it there. Okay, let's rip that whole thing, the tithing thing. What does God know about money anyway, right? I mean, he walks on streets of gold. What does he know about money? It's my money anyway. Let's just rip that out, right? You know what I found interesting? I was reading this article about tithing and it says that only 5% of the whole U.S. of believers actually tithes. And you know, there was greater in the Great Depression. In the Great, De- in the Great Depression. Let me read these statistics. It says only 5% of the U.S. tithes, uh, 80% give 2%. But in the Great Depression, they were giving 3.3%. But this article was saying this. I thought this was interesting. That if everybody who called themselves a Christian followed these teachings and we gave our 10% in honor to God, that the church every year would have $165 billion. Do you understand what the church globally could do with $165 billion? We could take $25 billion and help solve world hunger. We could take another billion or two and help the homeless. Come on, somebody. If, if we could do that, if we could come together, right? If, if, we, could, if we could all just follow what the words, but we, we're like, man, I, I don't, man, I, I, it's all about me. And you know what I found out? Because you'll look in this, and this is about you not being greedy. When you read this, it's, this is about you being generous. And here's what I found out in 30 years of ministry about greedy people. Greedy people are needy people. Because they're never, ever satisfied. They're always lacking. But this word will show you that true living is in giving. And a generous person never lacks. And as a matter of fact, they always walk in abundance. Can I hear a good amen today? But here's another reason why we look in the mirror. We actually look in the mirror because, let's be honest, we forget what we look like. And so we look in the mirror to remind us of what we look like. And here's what I figured out about our selfie people. How many, how many of you are on social media and you see the selfie people? They take a selfie in the morning. They take a selfie at lunch. Right. This comedian I watch, he calls it taking a lonely. Right? At lunch and then at dinner. And they're always posting. And I figured out why they do that. I'm just not a selfie guy. I'm going to be honest. I had a friend of mine who goes, Phil, you need to post more, <laughs> more selfies. No, I see myself in the mirror every day. I'm good. But I figured out about the whole selfie crowd. And here's the reality. Because they don't have a mirror around them all the time, they take selfies because they forget what they look like so they can see themselves on their phone. 
right? But this is what this will do too. This will remind you of who you are. When you look in this mirror, this will remind you of what God says about you. You are more than a conqueror. This will remind you that God's grace is sufficient for you. This will remind you that when you're not feeling like a child of God, you know what? You are a child of God and you are who God says you are. This right here in the midst of tough times will remind you, hey, Phil, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. When you look in the mirror, it'll remind you of who you are. Can I just tell you why I'm so devoted to this book? Because the author of this book gave his life for me. The author of this book, our God, died for me. And my church family, what Jesus did for me means so much to me that I want to live a life that's worthy of his death. And I want to live a life that honors his sacrifice. That's why I'm so devoted. I want to give my life to the one who gave me his life. That's why I'm so devoted. And I wonder today, I wonder if Luke were to come just an outside observer and look at our churches today, would he see a passionate devotion for the word of God? Would he see a passionate devotion for God's house? What would he see? Because he was so moved by it. He wrote, he was so moved by it that he followed Jesus. See, there was a lot of people who were entertained by Jesus, but they never followed him. And that can happen today. But he was so moved by this early church and the passion. And let me just ask you a question. How's your devotion to the apostles' teachings? Because this will change your life and it will keep you in the hard times. Can I hear a good amen today? Now, not only were they they devoted to the apostles' teaching, but they were devoted, here's number two, to fellowship. To fellowship. Now, the Greek word for fellowship here is kolionia. Some of you know, you've heard this. It actually means sharing spiritual life together, right? Now watch this. Fellowship to them was just as important as being devoted to the apostles' teaching, breaking bread, and prayer. It wasn't just this lesser activity. It was actually a necessary part of the whole, right? And it's important. This is important to understand this because you have these people who say this, well, it's just about me and God. It's just about me and Jesus, me and Jesus, Phil. Actually, that's very incorrect. The only thing that God said that wasn't good during creation was it was not good for man to be alone. Everything else he said was good, but then he said it was not good for man to be alone, right? It's not just about you. It's about you, God, and community. Well, you know, Phil, I can... I can worship at home. Listen, worshiping at home is not the point. You can worship at home. You can worship at Kentucky Fried Chicken. You can worship at Applebee's. You can worship at Chick-fil-A. You can worship at work. But listen, when God sent Moses to Egypt to free them, it wasn't because they weren't worshiping in their homes. It was because they weren't worshiping together. Can I hear a good amen? So he wanted to free them so they could come together. Do you remember in last week's or first week when we talked about Paul and them worshiping? This is why our worship is so important. The Bible says that they began to sing so other people could hear them. And not only when they began to sing could other people hear them, but because of the praise of Paul and Silas, the other prisoners were set free. There are things that happen when we come together that cannot happen 
happen when you are just sitting at home. God can do incredible things. And he tells us, listen, don't forsake coming together. You've got to come together. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some have, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I love this because he says this. He says, he says, don't forsake yourself assembling together. Listen to that word, assembling together. Assembling is very different than just showing up. Let me give you an example. If I'm trying to restore an old car and I have all the pieces in my garage, they're there. They're showed up. But until those pieces are assembled, that car will never drive. That car will never fulfill its purpose until the pieces and the parts are assembled together. And although we may come to church and we like, well, I'm here. He's not just talking about just showing up. That is important. But what he's talking about is when the body of Christ, which is his church, come together and we can assemble. Guess what? We can have an incredible worship team. When we assemble, you know what? We can have an incredible incredible kids team. Come on, somebody. When we assemble as the church, we can reach out to our community and we can do more together than we can just by ourselves if we'll assemble. But are you willing to be assembled? You know, assembly means that we come together in a common place for a common purpose. Could you imagine with just the people in this room, if we could come together under one heart, one vision, God's heart for people, you know what we could do? We could make a difference in this city if we'll assemble, come together. It's not just about you. It's not just about me and God. That's why Romans 12 says, honor one another. First Peter chapter three says, live in harmony with one another. Romans 15, accept one another, serve one another. Galatians five, Galatians, uh, Ephesians four, be kind to one another. Colossians three, admonish one another. First Peter four, Offer hospitality to one another. And here's the cool thing. When you're connected to the body of Christ, which is the church, here's what happens. When you become and say, God, I want to be assembled. I want to be part of your vision. I want to be a part of moving the kingdom forward. Guess what happens? When you're connected to the bride of Christ, it does a developmental work in your life. It starts to develop you. Because God uses imperfect people to help develop you into his image. How many of you know all of us here as the body of Christ watching online, we are all imperfect people. I got one yes about imperfect people. I'm going to try that again. We are all imperfect people. We're all imperfect people. Well, Pastor Phil, I know all this talk about the church and yeah, you know, this is really cool how, you know, you know, Luke was just writing and he saw this devotion, you know, at the church and, but I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, I, I've, I've been hurt by the church. Yeah. So have I. I could almost ask today who hasn't been hurt by church? Who hasn't been hurt by church? Can I just tell you just a little bit about my story? My dad was a pastor. And he had a church that I served in. When I got on fire for God, I, when I gave my life for Jesus, I was just so happy to be alive because at 19, I was on my knees and I was about to commit suicide because I did everything the world tells you to do. And I came up empty. And I remember saying, God, if you don't speak to me, I am going to take my life. And I heard this voice that said, take your life. And I said, what? 
And he said, take your life, give it to me, and I'll give you back a life that you would never even imagine. And that day, I, I did. I gave up my life. Phil Valdez died, and I became a new creature in Christ. And I remember that day, I was so excited. And I was living in New Jersey because there were some guys that wanted to kill me at my high school in Texas. So I had to move out. And then when I graduated, I moved back, and I just dove into the house of God. And, and I was just helping. I would do worship. I played the drums. I, I was a pastor's kid, so if the bass player didn't show up, I played bass that week. You know what? If the drummer didn't show up, I played drums. And then right after I got off the stage, I ran back to the kids ministry because we didn't have kids ministry workers. And and why did I do that? Because I wanted them to experience the very life that had changed my life. I wanted them to know. And you know, in all that fire and everything, guess what? My dad was my pastor. And then, you know what? Some things happened between him and my mom and he walked out on our family. He walked out on the church. That was my pastor. That was my father. The whole church went under. So when we talk about being hurt by the church. I am the first in line and I have every reason today to be on drugs. I have every reason today to not be serving God because people make mistakes and there are imperfect people. But can I just tell you this, my church family, to be honest with you, my devotion wasn't based on my father. My devotion was based on Jesus Christ. My father never died for me on the cross, but Jesus did. And thank God, God restored that relationship now and he's in heaven. Thank God. But can I just be honest with you? If you make and put your devotion based on other people, you're always going to be disappointed. And I, let me, let me just say this because I think it, it's so important. Listen, if people have hurt you and they will, because we've hurt people, we all do. But if you're going to quit and you're going to stop being devoted because of somebody else, listen to what I'm about to say. It wasn't their devotion that caused them to hurt you. It was their lack of devotion that caused them to hurt you. And when you quit, you start to act just like the person who hurt you. They're not hurting you because they're so devoted to Christ. They hurt you because they weren't devoted to Christ. Can I hear a good amen today? And so when I look at that person and I put my devotion and base my devotion on them, they're imperfect. And if I quit, and listen, I'm not trying to minimize hurt because I've been hurt. I know we need to walk through those seasons. But what I'm saying is that if I quit on my devotion because of them, then I'm doing exactly what they did to me. And my, are you ready? I've been praying for you this week because this is a this is a this is a hard word today. But we're in a series called "I Can Do Hard Things." Are you ready for this? Because your lack of devotion doesn't just affect you; it affects your kids. It affects people at work. And you know what I've learned about lack of devotion? People get hurt because people are not devoted. And it's caused me to look in the mirror of God's word and say, Phil, you need to be committed. People are watching you. You have a family. I cannot, I I cannot be flaky. I cannot be not committed and not devoted because you know what? When you're not devoted, it has a ripple effect. But just like that, when you are devoted, that also has a ripple effect. My church family, all of us can say at one time we've been hurt, but let me just tell you this. There is no one that has been more hurt by the church than Jesus Christ. And you know what? He keeps showing up. We're the church. Are you ready for this? The church is made up of imperfect people, yet Jesus still calls us his bride. So you've been hurt? Let God heal you. But I'll tell you what, the church is the best thing on this earth that's going right now.
And as imperfect as we are, we're still the body of Christ. And God still says, that's my bride. That's my bride. That's my bride. Are you getting something today? And so, yes, when we get into fellowship, I'm not saying you got to keep hanging out with the people that are hurting you. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that all of us have learned and we need to come together. The Bible says, because when one falls, the other one can pick them up because there's going to be times where you're going to be weak. There's going to be times where you're going to come in here and you're weak. But you know what? When everybody's singing and that passion, guess what? It's going to be contagious. The strength that's going to be imparted to you. You can't just get that at home watching the service on an iPad. We need each other. You need to get around some of the parents. You know, Inez is here. You know, Inez has been with us since we started the church. She was with us, five kids, an amazing mother. You know, if you're struggling as a mother, you need to get around her because she'll help you. She's an incredible, incredible woman. We have people who have strengths in this room and she's not, I didn't say she's perfect. I just said she's incredible because she's overcome. She's learned how to do hard things. And so when you're having a struggle, it's great to have somebody there that's been down the road that you've already got. We already gone down. My church family, we are stronger together. Can I hear a good amen today? I think it's a good opportunity to show God our devotion and give him a good round of applause this morning. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. Pastor Philly and I understand what's going on with COVID. I understand, but you know what? It's time to us get back to fellowship. What does that mean? What does that mean for you? I had a woman come to, I, 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 sometimes I just look at God and I go, how do, you, how do you love us so much when we're so, we say the dumbest things. We do, the, God, I mean, you, I know your love, but I had a woman come up to me after church. She said, you know, Phil, I just don't feel connected with the church. I just, you know, I'm just, I'm just not feeling like the connection. I said, are you in a life group? No. I said, with all humility, if I may say something. I said, I watch you every week. I said, because every week after church, I'm standing outside. You know what I'm standing outside for? For a little bit of fellowship with people because I love people. I said, I'm in the lobby. At that time, we had a a different lobby. I'm in the lobby every week. And I said, I watch you right after the service. It's almost like as soon as we say the altar call, you're like this. And as soon as we say it, boom, you're out. You don't say hi to anybody. You know, the Bible says that you'll never have friends unless you show yourself friendly. But maybe you feel disconnected because you're disconnected. Come on, somebody. And I said, I told her, I said, I'm there every single week. Well, it's because I don't, I don't know how to approach you. You just approached me. Can I just tell you how to do it? Hi. I'm Phil. Great to meet you. And you know what? In 30 years of pastoring, if you'll come up and say hi to me, I'm pretty good. I can take it from there. Come on, somebody. But if you don't want to be connected, don't. But let me just tell you this. When it comes to the hard times, I don't know if you're going to make it because we need each other. Can I hear a good amen today? Here's number three. They were also devoted to the breaking of bread. Acts chapter two, verse 46. They broke bread together in their home. And let me just assure you, it was grass-fed, gluten-free bread. I'm kidding. 
They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, this is a reference to them having communion in church, which we do. And this is another reference to the context of actually eating a meal in a house, eating, getting together. And there's something great about just having a meal together, sitting down. You know why? Because then there's vulnerability. You can talk to each other. There's transparency. And I want you to notice something about this church. There was incredible generosity that was happening in this church. And it was a key to relational harmony. It was a function that was so important. There's a spiritual gift called hospitality. See, you can come into church and you hear our incredible worship team and, you know, Angie's over there singing, Jeff, over there, you know, singing. You're like, man, I, 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 man, those gifts that I just, I just can't, I'm just not gifted like that. Well, can I ask you a question? Do you, do you have a house? Can you open the door for people to come in? Phil, I just, I just don't understand like my giftings yet. Can I ask you a question? Can you cook? Can you open your home for fellowship? Right? My church family, I'm going to tell you a secret. It's the truth. If you build God's house, he will build your house. I've seen it happen in our own life. We've committed our life and devoted to the house of God. If you build his house, he will build your house. If you will build his family, your family will be built. If you will build your life on this, right? And this is the priority. Can I just tell you, so many Christians have their priorities so mixed up. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, my family comes first. No, your family doesn't come first. God comes first. Do you know that we can fall and worship our family? I know people who worship their kids. I love my kid. He's sitting right here. But I tell him, first, I love God and then you. Because here's the reality. My love for God is going to help me make be a better father. My love for God is going to be make me be a better Husband, my love for God is going to be a a better pastor. There's some people who put their churches before their relationship with God. And it's first our relationship with God. And some people, you know, I've heard this. We just don't go to church because, you know, it's family day. Uh, Hello, church is family day. And you know what? You can worship at the altar of your family. Listen, and I'm not saying, I always have to preface this. I'm not saying we don't take vacations. I'm not saying, man, we take vacations all the time. We love each other. But here's the reality. If I put my family before God, guess what's happened? Then all of that anxiety, all of that pressure is on me. But if I put God first, then he will give me the strength and the wisdom to build my family. And when I build his house, he will build our house. We've seen it. I was talking to our neighbor the other day. They're selling their house and they live in our, our neighborhood. And I just said, Hey, you know, as we were talking and uh, I said, how much did you get your house for? And he said, you know, a certain amount. And I just looked at our, and my wife, because we got our house like a hundred thousand dollars cheaper than what they paid for it. And I, 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 I was just thinking to myself, you know why? You know why? It's not because we're God's favorite. It's because we've built his house. And you know what he does? He'll give us a house. He'll give you a house. He'll build your house. But it's our devotion to him first. And then devotion to fellowship. And then devotion to breaking bread together. And listen, my church family, when it comes to the body of Christ and church, many people have this attitude. Well, what can the body of Christ do for me? Instead of, hey, what can we do for the body of Christ? To be devoted. 
These were the practices. These were the building blocks of the New Testament church. That's why, you know what? Under the oppression of the Roman Empire, they're experiencing the kingdom of God. They're walking in joy. They're walking in peace. Let me just, you know the Roman Empire? They're the ones that put Jesus on the cross. They came up with crucifixion. They were no joke. And yet the early church in hard times were living and experiencing the kingdom of God. And it can be for you. And here's the last one. Are you glad you came to church today? Are you devoted? Cool. we got four people. We'll change the world with four people. And they were devoted to prayer. And again, I want to say this. It wasn't like prayer, the apostles teaching, fellowship was over here. All of them were on equal plane. Now, I want to say this because it's true. You're not going to make it during hard times if you don't pray. You're just not. Because prayer is communication with God. And God has different strategies that he wants to tell you about in these times. Our prayers have the power to literally bring heaven to earth. Do you know that earth was never supposed to operate different than, than heaven? But because of what Adam did and sin came into the earth right? But Jesus said, we can change that. You can actually bring heaven to earth, not just by praising and singing it down, right? But actually by praying. So when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He said, what? Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? On earth as it is in heaven. My prayers can bring heaven into a situation. Let me say it this way. Your prayer invites God's kingdom into your situation. Your prayer invites heavenly solutions into earthly situations. I want to say that again. Our prayers invites heaven solutions into earthly situation. And the early early church, and they knew how to pray people out of prisons. Man, the early church, the early church were under the earthly kingdom of the Roman Empire, but living in the fullness of God. And if they can do it in hard times, this word has not changed. Our God has not changed. We can do it. We can do it. You know, in closing, I, uh, I realize in prayer When I've processed things with Jesus first, I'm usually good. Can I just tell you, one of the ways to have an incredible marriage is to talk to Jesus first. See, some of you, even if you're a teenager watching today, before you go with your parents and just, it's good to talk with your parents. Sometimes you just need to talk to Jesus first. Have you heard the new Elevation song, Talk to Jesus? Oh man, it's so good. And it talks about talking to Jesus, just talking to him. But here's what I've found that when I don't talk to him first, man, I can get into a lot of trouble. You know what makes a bad situation worse? It's processing it with the wrong people. And so sometimes even in hard situations, what we do is we're talking to the wrong people instead of talking to God. You know, a lot of times before I I tell my wife something, I'll process it with Jesus just to make sure because he can take it. He says, cast all of your care on me because I care for you. Talk to Jesus. You know why? Listen, my church family, he will settle the accounts for you. You don't have to show up to every fight that you're invited to. I want to say that again. You don't have to show up to every fight that you are invited to. Remember this. 
he sets a table before you where in the midst of your enemies. So while your enemies are attacking, he can set a table right before you and you can be sitting at that table in peace, right? In favor, in rest, while your enemies are anxious and worried, he can set that table right before you. So I want to say this morning, one of the keys of doing hard things is plugging in to these four practices, being devoted. I want to end with this scripture, Acts chapter two, verse 45. Are you ready? It says, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. This wasn't communism. This wasn't socialism. This was spirit-inspired generosity. In the community of the early church, no one had needs. No one had needs. You know, and I believe that we can be this type of church. You know, our second year, I did a message like this, and there was some people, and I'm just telling you, you never know what God will, I always come to church expecting because you never know what God could do. There could be somebody on your road today who has an answer for your solution for your business. It was our second year and there were some people out in the foyer and they were just talking. And he was just, one guy was just saying, you know, I, I need a car. I need a car really bad. Like I've been looking. And the other guy, and I heard this because they told me the story. The other guy listening said, so you need a car? He says, I have a car right now in my driveway. Here's what it needs. It just needs a starter. You put a starter in that, you can have this car. And the guy was like, right? He walked out of there that day with a new car because the generosity of the church working together. But see, if you're like a little two-year-old with everything that you own, mine, it's mine, it's mine. No, it's God's. And you give a car away to somebody, man, God sees everything that we do. Do you think God's limited in cars? And he provides, the Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He knows. He knows. That's the kind of church that this church was. That's the kind of church, my church family, that in the middle of hard times, nobody lacked. Because they were committed to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking bread together, and prayer. And I believe that if we'll commit and we'll be devoted, and that's my prayer today, I'm praying that us as the church will grow a backbone of our devotion back to God's house, back to God, because that's what the world needs. Can you imagine a church where nobody lacks? Can you imagine a church as you're serving God's house in this economy, God opens up a door for you to get a house that's $100,000 under the asking price. Why? Because God does miracles, my church family but we've got to be devoted to him first. Do you receive that this morning? Would you stand as we close today's service? In hard times, we can be devoted. We can be devoted. We can be devoted. Can I ask you, what is your level of devotion? I wrote this down in my notes and I want to read it. You want to gauge your level of maturity in Christ? 
what does it take? What does it take to deter you from your devotion? You want to gauge your maturity in Christ? What does it take to deter you? How much? See, I've decided I'm going to build my life on this because he gave his life for me. And it works, my church family. And after 30 years of being in God's house, not only is he building my house and my family, but I'm still standing. After coming down with COVID, after a tough six months of health and issues, thank God I'm still standing. You can call it coincidence, but I call it God. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? God is calling us, my church family, to a devotion. A devotion to him. And I'm calling today a devotion to his house. I understand it's the summer and people are here and people are there. But we need a call for devotion. We need to be in God's house when we're here every Sunday. You need to be in God's house. Not just for you. But God may want to use you to exhort somebody else. God may want to use you to help somebody else. And here's the cool thing. Are you ready? Somebody was here when you got here. When you were struggling, somebody was here. Somebody encouraged you. Somebody loved on you. Now it's our turn to return the blessing. Now it's our turn to be devoted. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, even when we're not devoted, you're devoted. Even when we quit, you still love us. You still believe in us. You're still watching over us. You're such a great God. You're so faithful. And so today, Lord, I pray that we would be inspired by your faithfulness and that devotion would rise up and we would make a decision like this early church that no matter what's going on in hard times, we're going to be devoted to you because you have been devoted to us. And today, I want to say this prayer before we dismiss. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to come inside your heart. Maybe people have hurt you. Maybe people have let you down. Can I just tell you, people are not always the best representation of God. Yeah, some will inspire you. I hope my devotion inspires you. But I will tell you this. I make mistakes too. But today, God can come inside your heart and heal your life. And he wants to come inside, forgive you of all your sins. Even when you are unfaithful, he will be faithful. He will forgive you of all your sins today. That way, when you die, there's no fear. There's no anxiety. And you could know that you can stand before the presence of God. See, when I stand before God, my dad's not going to be there. And I can say, well, you know, it's because my dad did this. This person did that. It's going to be you and God. That's it. And this is what he's going to ask you. What did you do with my son that I sent into the world to forgive you of all your sins? Did you ever receive him? What did you do? You, not everybody else, you. And today I want to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus in your heart. All you have to do is have some faith that he is who he says he is. I want you to pray with me. Pray this prayer. Everybody say this. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sins. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come inside my heart. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Keep your eyes closed for just a moment. Is there some areas in your life that you need to renew your devotion to God? It's time. I'm going to tell you why it's time. I think we learned in 2020, we never know when hard times are coming. It's not always predicted. But you got to strengthen your devotion now. And God is here and he's waiting. And I'm talking about you personally. Putting everybody else aside, all the circumstances aside. What area do you need to be more devoted to God? Because my church family is so devoted to you. He wants to see your business succeed. He wants to see you to succeed. You're his son, daughter. He wants to see your family succeed, your marriage succeed. He's the one that came up with marriage. He knows how it works. But we've got to put him back in priority in our lives. The Bible says if we'll seek him first and his kingdom, all of these things will be added unto you. He's going to add to you. He wants to be your provider, your source. Lord, today, Father God, we renew our devotion to you, to your word, to your people. Even though they're imperfect, we're imperfect. But Father, you love them. May we love people like you love them. Father, to the breaking of bread, to coming together, enjoying each other, sharing with each other and prayer, not only personally, but corporately, Father, to move mountains, to change cities, to change nations. If we'll assemble together, we could change this world so people can see you, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.